Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. It just so happens this is episode 007, and I swear to God I did not plan this. The random button giveth and the random button taketh away. I swear to you, it did this on its own, and I landed on this week's movie. From 1999, The World Is Not Enough. Pierce Brosnan, the third, yes, third of the four Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies. And joining me this evening, biggest Bond fan I know, if I remember correctly, yes? Yes. Uh, Mr. Ryan Murphy, old friend of mine. Hello, hello. I realized that November of 99, we would have been working together at the movie, at the multiplex when this movie came out. So I would have been there quite yet. I started in February of 2000, so... Oh, uh, you that much later? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I also was thinking, because on the last episode it got mentioned, kind of where were you on 9-11, I was with you on 9-11. Yep, yep. Because we were working in the morning, refurbishing and uh, re... Um, what's the word? The multiplex was expanding and we were doing... Right. Um that's where we were the morning of September 11th. So I was with you, oddly. Yep. Watch on that little five-inch TV or whatever in the office. And yeah, we did. It was crazy. Oh, so long ago. But um, I'm going to confess, I have never seen a James Bond movie in the theater. Uh, sir. I haven't. Sir. I was gonna, no Time to Die was going to be the first one. And, well, we know how that went. <laughs> Because I didn't see, I've seen them all. Yeah, I just for some reason, because I didn't, I didn't see Casino Royale until it came out on Blu-ray or whatever. And at that point, I was like, "Well, I'm on a streak of not seeing in the theater something that should just continue." So I had never seen one in the theater. Um, so I'm probably not. I'm not. I'm not as big of a James Bond guy as. Well, my normal go-to is the day comes out, I'll go twice on that Friday, and then probably see it one other time besides that. See, I knew I called the right guy for this. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't get Matt, Matt Gorley, who's the biggest, he's too famous to talk to me. I didn't ask, it's fine. Um, what was I going to say? The, um, so where's, my favorite Bond is Craig, as far as I like the Daniel Craig movies the best. Okay. But weirdly enough, if you say James Bond, the face that pops into my head immediately, every time, is Pierce Brosnan. And yes. That's because of GoldenEye. Because GoldenEye mm-hmm. would be that I watched a shit ton on VHS. And the game, obviously, is a, is a big factor. Right, right. Though I prefer the Craig movies. I think Casino Royale is one of the best top ten movies of that decade. But... I don't picture Craig when you say James Bond. I picture Pierce Brosnan. What about you? Um, yeah, probably Pierce Brosnan is probably my favorite um, as far as depicting Bond. Now, after GoldenEye, kind of gets the short end of the stick on how good the movies are. Yeah. But uh, as far as it, who's portraying him and how they portray them, um, I think Pierce Brosnan is probably my favorite. He's the hottest one for sure. <laughs> that 
That's a good looking man. Maybe that's why I picture him. He just looks the most like suave and debonair. Like Dalton had like kind of a pinched face. Connery, I mean Connery's a classic. I never, right. I never dug. I like I like some of the Roger Moore movies, but him, I was like, oh, whatever. So he was probably my favorite just because that was kind of him when I was growing up, and that's all the ones I would watch was Roger Moore. Um, and then probably the first ones I saw in the theater were Timothy Dalton. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. I remember my dad used to watch Live and Let Die a lot and Goldfinger. Yes, Goldfinger. So those are the two I saw the most as kids, certainly. But, um, yeah, this this one is okay. Yeah. yeah it's not exactly like, a hot take there. <laughs> but, I mean, they kind of go in release order of, don't because like GoldenEye is the best one, I think. And then, yes. And then it's a uh, slow progression from there down to Die Another Day. Yeah, Die Another Day is straight bad. It's bad. It's bad. bad. It is, bad. Yes. And this one has moments where it's definitely headed that way. I feel like it's pretty even with the world, or um, Tomorrow Never Dies. Maybe Tomorrow yeah. Never Dies is slightly better. Maybe a little bit better. Um, the thing I kind of, especially with Tomorrow Never Dies and, and also with uh, The World Is Not Enough, um, the stories themselves, I think, are a little bit ahead of their time. Like, especially Tomorrow Never Dies, you get a media mogul that huh? essentially owns the entire media, you know, in, what, 90 six when that came out 97 97 i believe um like yeah it's you know not that big of a deal but nowadays if somebody owned all the media that'd be absolutely fantastic or huge um oh well people won't shut up about it oh evil disney they own everything first off no they don't <laughs> secondly can we all right i've got to get into this for a second Instead of worrying about, I understand that they've done some not cool things. I get it. And they should be taken to task for it. But maybe instead of worrying about the children's entertainment company that's been putting a smile on people's faces for 80 years, maybe we should turn that energy on like the oil companies and the gun manifest, like companies that are actually like destroying lives and destroying the planet and leave Disney the fuck alone for a minute. Like prioritize. Yep. Hit them when they, you know. Hit them when they do something, but Jesus Christ, can we stop with it? You know, like they don't own everything. Universal is still a thing. You know, there are other. Right, right. Enough. But uh, like, especially at the end of that one with the uh, the stealth ship that the Chinese have, like nobody's thinking about that in mid nineties. But nowadays, it's like, okay, yeah, they make those ships. That's a that's the thing. Yeah. Um. And like world is not enough, you know, in May 99, um, they're talking about oil in Eastern Europe and um, Azerbaijan and that area. Um, you know, that's not really a thing until seven, ten years later. You know, like, like take West Wing. Um, last season and a half of that show was pretty much exactly this. Russia and China going to war over oil in the oh, yeah. area. That's true. That would have been about 2006 or seven. Yeah, good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Well, let's get into it. This one is directed by Michael Apted, who, looking at his filmography, not the person I maybe would have 
suspected would do a James Bond film. He directed Coal Miner's Daughter, Gorillas in the Mist, Nell, mm-hmm. you know, like Chicka Pie, Nell. Uh, My paycheck faded. <laughs> I tend to win. <laughs> you know it better than I do. <laughs> I know it's an L. Uh, Blink with uh, Madeline Stowe is blind and Andy, Andy Garcia, I think, maybe. Or... No, I'm thinking of Jennifer Hayes, but Yeah. And uh, that last Narnia movie, well, that was much later, but. So more of a, definitely more of a drama, not much of an actor. So I'm wondering how much of the second unit did the. Uh, action stuff. He, he was brought in more for the drama. Because right. we get some decent drama. This is maybe Brosnan's best performance. Yeah. Yeah. As Bond, anyway. He seems emotionally invested. Of course, at this point, he's, you know, the first one, you're still kind of figuring finding your sea legs as, with the character right at the end it was probably like let me off <laughs> like please just let me die <laughs> but you know at this point he's been bond enough that he's probably feels pretty comfortable in that skin and i think it shows um right off the top is this the most overtly and grossly sexual james bond movie? uh it quite could be which is saying uh, something because they've always been, you know, James Bond has always been a man whore. It's always been there, you know, but this is over the top. This one's pretty ridiculous. I mean, they start from the get go with this one. And Immediately with the double entendres and the puns and the, the camp. Like, I don't even mind the camp necessarily, but it's just, oof. I mean, we'll get to some more of it as it comes up, but there's. And the last line in the movie, we'll get to that. Yes. Oh, no, that is, uh, I got a hot shit. take on that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that hot of a take. But, um, yeah, so we open with uh, 007. He's in a, a, a Swiss bank in Spain. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's trying so. to recover a bunch of money that was, well, it was paid as ransom to get this uh the the uh secret documents bag or he's trying to buy the documents yes and the documents are what <laughs> um essentially talking about the terrorists that that had attacked his pipelines okay and but the money and the, it, the money is related to how i he's i it's it was ransom money at one point too right right that it's the same amount of money that was the ransom amount for his daughter now it the setup of this thing is terrible like you can't really tell what's going on like hey he's getting all this money back for something but well i think um, now that i've thought about it i think that it's the money that he was supposed to spend to get his daughter back from the kidnappers he instead this robert king guy spent to get these documents back at M's request, which is why, spoiler alert, his daughter, Electra King, is so pissed off right. later on, we find out, because instead of saving her from her kidnappers, quote unquote, he'd spent the money on this. That's where my head is at right now, anyway. Yeah, after watching it twice this week, I 
still couldn't tell you exactly what the money's for at the beginning, <laughs> just and those documents, and that's that's as much as I figured out. I think it's something like that. Um, and of course, the banker and his guards turn on James Bond. He's got uh, a flashbang grenade in the first gadget of the movie built into the uh, mm-hmm. butt of his wealth. The his is it the Walther or the I don't know whatever his pistol P99. is. Also P ninety nine. The PDK that they uh, set off. He sets off with his glasses. Um, and he beats these guys up easily. But lo and behold, this cigar girl, which is all she's called in the credits, right. um, which, if that was her actual name, would not be the worst name in this movie. It wouldn't even be third. Um, turns out she's an assassin who, for some reason, is trying to keep him a lo- keep James Bond alive against these guys and escapes. So it turns into, yeah, she runs away. More guards are going to bust in the door. He has to figure out a way down to the street. Mm-hmm. And here it begins because <laughs> he pulls the cord off of the curtains mm-hmm. string, ties it around the one guy, ties it around his own belt, and jumps out the window. I have questions. Number one. No fucking way is that cord long enough to get him down to the street. No. Two, how does he know, even if he's a genius, how is this cord strong enough to do that? <laughs> when it drags the guard across the room. The guard grabs onto a table leg, a big, like, fancy wooden table. Solid, solid wood table. A solid wood table. And the leg breaks off in his hands rather than this curtain string breaking. Right. It's right. preposterous. <laughs> And I don't know, like, what happened? What happens if that guy held on to the table and the table leg didn't break? You're just hanging there for. Yeah, I guess you're just hanging there then. Uh, yeah. So, I especially love when he does make it to the bottom. He just pulls out on a quick and bam, it's, it's off his belt. Yeah, it's it's pretty silly. It's the beginning of the camp aspect. Uh, then we have. A pretty cool speedboat chase. Mm-hmm. No, that's after. Sorry. My well, th- yeah, now we go back to MI6. Now he goes back to MI6, where again we have. So he's talking to Money Penny. Mm-hmm. And it is simultaneously a Bill Clinton cigar joke. Yes. And a dildo joke. And I don't understand <laughs> why this. <laughs> It's, no, too, it's, much. it's too, it, too much. Yeah, if, if they had just dropped it there, like, you could have been good for the entire rest of the movie with puns. Yeah, you had your one. And it's but, very... But we're going to triple down on this as the movie goes. Yeah, well, when we know that Money Penny wants James Bond, and he's always, you know, kind of stringing her along. And, um... Yeah, but he brings her a cigar in a case, and she's like, oh, I know where I can put this or something. Like, it's so aggressively gross. <laughs> yes. Um, then we have M. M is back, Judy Dench. And it's interesting, the carryover from 
like when J. Jonah Jameson shows up in Spider-Man Far From Home, people are like, oh my God, he came over from the other Spider-Man movie. Like, that's crazy. But this isn't anything new. Because you have Judy Dench, who played M in the Brosnan films and then in the first two Craig films as if nothing happened. Like, they let right. they kept her around. Same with, and even more so, Desmond Llewellyn, who plays you for the last time in this film, mm-hmm. started in From Russia with Love with Sean Connery and had been in, as far as I know, every James Bond movie as Q since. So he had been four James Bonds that he yeah. carried across. So that's interesting that they would keep that sort of sense of continuity. It gets a little fuzzier when you get to the, the uh, Craig ones because now you have a new Blofeld and you have a new you know, whatever else, but Emma's the same. But I guess when you when you strike gold with Judy Dench and she wants to keep going, you keep keep her going, I guess. Because she's always good. Well, I can't remember how long the original head of MI6 was in there. I want to say it was through all the Sean Connerys and then a, yeah, at least a few of the Roger Moore ones. That could be. It's been a while for me on those, so I will take your word for it. But it's into that that yeah that that carryover is interesting to me. Where now when it happens, people are like lose their mind, but it's not. It's happened before. Yeah, a good deal. So it's at this point. So he's brought the money back to MI6, um, and there's a cool. There's a lot of similarities between this and Skyfall, actually, now that I think about it. Skyfall had, like, an explosion inside MI6, a plot to get their hands on M, retreat to the Scottish safe house, like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, But yeah, MI6 gets blown up because uh, this Robert King guy shows up to get his money back, and this pin that he has on sends out some kind of signal or something that ignites chemicals on this money and blows blows him to smithereens, blows blows the wall out of the side of MI6. And it's a big to do it. James figures it out because there's foam in his scotch. Is that what it is? Yeah, I, I think it's more so just something's wrong with his fingers should not be foaming when it's touching water. That's true. Yeah, so he has whatever the chemical was he has on his fingers. So, but they don't he chases him, but he doesn't get there in time, and it blows up. And through the hole in the side of the building, um, is the old fake sniper red dot laser sight, which no one actually uses in real life, but it's something <laughs> you have to do so that you know those snipers are there. And he looks out, and here's this boat, like a speedboat, with. A woman standing in it with a sniper rifle, also mounted on the back, not under any sort of tarp or anything, is a Gatling gun. Just sitting out in the Thames, I guess. Why not? Lee's never looked there. And you're within spitting distance of MI6. They have no, nobody's on, how? How is this woman just driving this boat around with this... So, so here's my big problem with that whole scene is, so he stands up and you see the red dot, 
and then it shows her. And she's holding, I, it looks like a G36C, a German assault rifle. And instead of using the mounted yeah, Gatling gun or 50 cal or whatever is mounted on the back of the boat with a giant scope on it, you're just going to freehand this assault rifle with a medium zoom scope on it. Especially when for a supposedly highly trained assassin who had who earlier in the film threw a knife through someone's spine. Straight through his spine. Good luck with that. <laughs> right. Is a terrible shot. Yeah. She doesn't take him out with this sniper rifle. During this boat chase, she's shooting off grenades, she's shooting off this Gatling gun, and she can't hit shit. <laughs> so I don't know how she got the job. Maybe good with knives, bad with everything else. But, um, yeah, she's not low-key at all. She sticks out like a sore thumb. So James runs to Q's lab, jumps in this boat. The Q says isn't uh, finished yet. I'm guessing the part that's not finished is the windshield. <laughs> this is an open canopy, which would be fine, except for when it, A, goes underwater in a couple minutes, and B, after that, is driving on land, smacking mm -hmm buildings and rest in peace your face because yes. all of the debris and shrapnel that would be flying through your head because there's no glass there's no windshield there's no canopy there's nothing well he's just getting sprayed in the face the entire time just any wavy hiss just water everywhere and yeah it's yeah so maybe that's what wasn't finished but it's there's just no way he survives this these flips and this driving through, I don't know, oh, how's he steering on land also? Unless it, I maybe could. Because well, you have you know, jets on the back, man. You just go with the jets. But the jets don't steer. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> Plus, uh, every, any time he makes a turn in that boat when he's on water, it I feel like your neck would break. It's turning so fast and so sharp. Like, he gets bounced flips around. And, like, right barrel there. rolls and shit he's doing? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty cool scene. And I guess it took them like 15 days to shoot just that sequence or something. But, yeah, but once he's on land, that, that's a lot, man. Now, again, now you're stretching credulity because he drives through like three cafes in a... Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she crashes her boat up on the land, gets into a very convenient hot air balloon that people are preparing to get into. Um... I don't know why she thought she would escape in a hot air balloon that's moving very slowly. Especially because now there's like MI6 helicopters are coming up to get her. James is hanging off a rope. Um, and he's asking her to, you know, like, who do you work for? I can help you if you're in trouble. Because she's saying, he'll, you know, he'll kill me if I talk or whatever. Blows herself up by shooting these tanks on the balloon. Um, and he falls onto the dome that they were above, injures his shoulder, some of that classic Pierce Brosnan hurt acting mm -hmm. he's good at. And that's your cold open, 14-minute-long cold open. That's the longest uh, open before title sequence for a James Bond movie. It's got to be. I mean, it feels you forget that you haven't seen credits yet, and then the credit sequence starts. Song by Garbage. Mm-hmm. Good. You know garbage I love garbage. Good. Garbage is good. When it first started, I, I thought it was the Cheryl Crow song for some reason, and I was like, no, wait, that's Shirley Manson. 
pretty good. It's, it's sort of similar, yeah. Um, kind of a lackluster title sequence, though. Yeah, it's all just, it's kind of CGI oil derricks, and it's definitely not up to the par of some of the earlier ones and some of the later ones. It's real kind of eh. yeah, it's just kind of blah. Like the yeah, the song's good, but and we um, and now we meet because he has a hurt shoulder and he's on medical leave or what would the word be medical suspension i guess kind of and we meet do you know this woman's name sophie marceau no 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 the doctor am i oh the doctor doctor Um, dr molly do you know what her last name is no (laughs) and bear in mind this is a franchise that has had women named octopussy pussy galore xenia on a top this is still the dumbest name in James Bond history. It's Dr. Molly Warmflash. Mm. It's this woman's name. <laughs> like, nice. what does that even... Well, I guess there's a word. Sylvia Trench. That's a disgusting name. Yeah. Like, that's... That's not okay. But Dr. Molly Warmflash. Like, is she pre-pre-menopausal? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I wonder if it was supposed to be warm flesh and they thought that was a bit on the nose and they changed it. Either way, it's no one has that name and it's stupid. But of course, here's your first Bond girl for the movie and there they hook up with more puns and entendres. A little more kind of what you expect from James Bond, not as over the top as some of the ones earlier and later. But, um, This guy, man, can't keep it in his pants. <laughs> I guess I don't really understand the whole dislocated collarbone for this movie. Because it... Throughout the whole movie, like, it, a few times, he's like, oh, my shoulder hurts. Other than that, though, like, he's jumping and diving on the docks and this and that and getting up no problem, shoulders no problem. Like... I don't know why they decided to have it be somewhat of a big thing for the movie. I think because it, there are a couple times that he kind of he'll do something he'll kind of wince, and it. I think I think it's a cool idea to have, especially since these guys are you know James Bonds and action heroes in general are usually so sort of bulletproof and unbreakable. Right. Which is what made John McClane so cool because he cuts his feet up with you know like he was just a guy. He's not. You're right. Right. And you don't get that from James Bond a lot. So I kind of like the idea of, of this persistent injury that's plaguing him through the movie. But I think story-wise, the reason it's there, I think the main reason is because it's a thing later on, spoilers again, that Electra knows about that also Renard knows about. Right, right. So when he know when he knows that when he finds out Renard knows about it, he's like, Well, how did he know about that? He must have got it from Right. Electra. Speaking of Electra, we have Electra King. See, that's a normal name. I mean, it's still like a cool name, but it's not from an eight-year-old's joke book. Like, it's fun. Um, You're right. Who is played by Sophie Marceau. Very good. Maybe one of the best. It's weird, because this movie has 
one of the best Bond girls and probably the worst Bond girl. <laughs> right? I mean, Jinx, yeah. is, Jinx is bad in the next movie. So her and Denise Richards are a toss-up, but... All right. I don't know. It's hard to say. But Sophie Marceau is really good. Really good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out to be, jumping ahead, the villain of the film, which that doesn't happen a lot, but the Bond girl... Yep. Is like the big bad, it turns out. So interesting and cool. We learn... Uh, he does. He's doing some research. He learns that she was uh, Electric King is Robert King's daughter. She was kidnapped. Uh, she's 21. Um, was kidnapped and freed herself by shooting two of her kidnappers and got away. And um, which he goes to talk to Emma about. Now, am I crazy or did they we found out later that Electra's mom was this woman who helped set up the oil pipelines and stuff in Azerbaijan and has you know M is not her mom but they definitely seem to be hinting am I nuts or are they hinting because M and this Robert King certainly have a very familiar relationship with each other right when James is talking to M about Electra she says something about I feel like I failed as a spy and I feel like I failed as a mother like are they not hinting that Electra is maybe M's daughter is that is that just me I guess I didn't get that um I just think that she thinks of her almost like a daughter I think it's uh her and Robert King are supposed to be it's really good friends and she's known her for a long time and has probably seen Electra grow up so she kind of thinks of her as but almost like a daughter. Yeah, that could be. I feel like they're more than friends, though, because every time his name comes up, she kind of gets a real look in her eyes. Like, mm-hmm. But um, then, so James goes to see Q, and we get the most... <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for about this gadget? This fucking jacket. <laughs> Zorb jacket? Yeah. Uh, the, the, what I'm trying to think of to describe it is... It's essentially a Zorb ball and tucked in the jacket. And... Yeah. Less, eh, never mind. Um, but it's the most... And this has been a problem in a lot of the James Bond movies where the gadget that he is given comes in handy in a very particular situation that you could not possibly have planned for. Because this is like a, it's like a winter jacket that you pull a thing and it puts this like bubble boy bubble around you to protect you from things. Which you would never need. Well, even, but even if you do, A, this is not what he's wearing later when he uses it. Right, right. <laughs> he's wearing a completely different <laughs> that's, jacket. That's true. Also, he uses it, it during this big ski stunt action scene, which he did not know he was going to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get back to that. But it's so, and a lot of the gadgets in the movies are, but this is maybe the most flagrantly, like, you came up with the situation first and added the gadget later. Yes. <laughs> like, there's no practical, per- like, the watch with the grapple hook on it, 
I get it. That's going to be very useful in a lot. Yeah, it's useful. The glasses with the the, the flashbang grenade, like this, it's all back engineered. Is that the word I'm looking for? Reverse engineered. That's the first. There you go. It's so within the script. It's so reverse engineered that gadget that it's. I don't care for that. I don't care for that. Here's the the thing I. Guess I guess I didn't realize how much I missed this is when they start showing the Q room and you have like the guy playing the bagpipe with the flamethrower and the machine gun on there and then uh, oh what's some of the other gadgets they're showing I guess I can't remember what the other gadgets but it just how much I miss the, the Q gadget room in the James Bond movies like you know with the Daniel Craig ones we really haven't had that yeah, and so watching an older one now where they have it and they get the pool table that splits apart um, and the BMW comes up through there, like, I, I just miss that part of a James Bond movie where it's just kind of a fun little quirky, hey, look at this cool stuff. Well, that's because he would, have, and I love, the, I love the Craig movies the most, but he would have to have just a regular James Bond adventure where he hasn't gone rogue. Yeah, which yeah. hasn't happened yet. He's gone rogue in every. Uh, yes, like, yes, he has. So Q's like on the other end of the phone, like I don't know how to help you. You fucked off. Like I don't know. <laughs> so maybe this next one we'll see. It'd be nice if they got one in before the end. But um, and then we Q introduces R, who is played by John Cleese, who has walked onto set from an entirely different movie. Yes. <laughs> Because he's playing a Monty Python character. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. Very much I, love so. John, I love John Cleese. He's always funny. But, man, he is just in a comedy skit that has that feels really out of place. In general, the movie, you get whiplash from it because it's... This guy gets blown up and you have this cool chase and then... But then this woman kills herself in a hot air balloon to stop and then he's injured... And then we're at a funeral, but then there's a flamethrower bag, flamethrower bagpipe, and John Cleese comes. Like it goes back and forth between. You can't decide if it's a comedy movie or an action movie, and so it just smashes them both together. Yeah. Odd ways. In the um. Yeah, I love I love Cleese, but man, and it's a goodbye to. I don't think he knew. Well, he died. Desmond Llewellyn, who played Q, died a month after this movie came out, but in a car accident. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, we know he's sick, so we're going to say goodbye to this character and bring in John Cleese to replace him. Well, he was even planning on being in Die Another Day. He, was gonna, he said he was going to be in one more James Bond movie. Oh. Huh. With, with, with the way that they have him exit, where he you know, says, you know, make sure you have an exit plan and goes down on the drop drop down floor you'd think that's it for q but yeah i guess he was going to be in the next one yeah it feels almost like a like an after the fact added later paul walker in fast and the furious kind of like oh shit yeah. i'd let's put this scene in to say goodbye to him but it's not like he was so it's a, but maybe they just knew like he's getting he's getting old he's getting on in age you know just in case god forbid mm -hmm. this old man who's been with us forever 
passes away, we have, you know, he said his goodbye. But, um, so that feels weird knowing that, like, oh, he really is, like, saying goodbye to yeah. franchise and everyone. Like, this is the last, probably the last thing he ever did. And he looks sad to go as he drops down into the floor. But he says he's going to retire, and that's what he had that boat for with no windshield. That's what he had that boat for, just to go fishing. <laughs> this jet-powered boat with that, that boat would have bombs on it. Yeah, that old man ain't driving that boat. <laughs> it's snapping in half. But, uh, yeah, so goodbye to Q, hello to R. Now we're going to learn about Renard. Supposedly the villain of the piece, uh, played by Robert Carlyle. Really good. Kind of too good for this movie, almost. Mm-hmm. Not as camp as this movie can be. He's not camp at all. Like, he's playing it straight. He's trying to get your sympathy. Yes. He's not over the top at all. So he feels a little out of place, too. But it's a, but it's a really good performance. He was shot in the head by 009. 009, yep. 009. Uh, but it didn't kill him, and the bullet is slowly burrowing through his brain and taking away. First, he lost his sense of smell and his sense of taste and his sense of touch. Not sight, luckily. But so he feels no pain, and this thing is going to kill him, so he has nothing to lose. This is the man who kidnapped Electric King, um, and they worry that he's going to go after her again now that she's escaped. Right. And oh, by the way, it's the bullets going through the medulla oblongata, which controls absolutely none of those things. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, it's a cool concept. Yeah, it's a good concept. Yeah, I ought to at least put the bullet in the right spot of the brain, maybe. Uh, yeah. But compared to some of the, like, that doesn't bother nearly as much as, like, the curtain string and the. <laughs> right, right. Some of this other stuff. You can fudge the medical. Most people aren't going to notice. Um, and then we're off to Azerbaijan, where Electric King is at, trying to help set up this pipeline running through the country without her crews looking to demolish this ancient sort of church in a cave that the locals have, and she orders them to move it so that they don't destroy the church. So she seems like pretty reasonable, responsible person um some some chemistry right away we're told she's 21 way too young for James Bond. yeah actually when they filmed this sophie marceau was actually 33 believe that or not was it was it that she was kidnapped when she was 21 or she's supposed to be 21 now i guess i i don't know oh you know well, because I thought the kidnap was a the kidnapping was a really recent thing, or was it more like that happened? I don't think it's as recent as, like I think it's supposed to be like a few years before, like this movie starts. Okay, I must have missed that. So maybe okay, so maybe she's not she's twenty one. She's kidnapped. Who knows how old she is now? She was thirty three in IRL when they filmed it, and Pierce Brosnan was forty six. So that's thirteen years. It comes up a lot on this podcast the age difference between. <laughs> your romantic leads because it's usually gross um no nah, i guess 13 years isn't so bad i don't think she's supposed to be 33 as a kid because no uh, i don't i don't think so. 12 years ago so 
See, he's still way too old for her, but what can you do? That's why I liked Monica Bellucci so much in which, whichever one of the Craigs it was. Like, that's an age-appropriate, yeah, uh, stunningly right beautiful woman. Like, yeah, I, I like that. Then we have... Yeah, so she's going to take him out to show him the pipeline or whatever up in the mountains. And they're going to ski to do it. Which, again, he did not know when he got there this was going to happen. Right. She drags him off to do this. Nor what you need to ski to this area to actually see these pipelines. You could easily take the helicopter straight to him. I mean, I guess he had enough warning to put on his ski clothes so he could have hidden this bubble suit thing underneath that. It just feels like, oh, whew, thank God... You packed me this crazy <laughs> bubble jacket now that I'm going skiing. but And they get attacked by the Parahawks, which are these, they're snowmobiles with paragliding equipment attached to it. Basically a big fan right. of yep. parachutes. They're flying around and they can land and chase you. And it's all right. It's not the best James Bond ski sequence we've ever had. But it's... It's, it's a nice throwback to uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, though. So this key sequence in there yeah it looks like we get some snow going on in the in the next one in a no time to die so i'm looking forward to that i always i like a good snow i wish there was more snow i wish they would do a jason in the snow i like zombies in the snow i like i like the snow. <laughs> um yeah so he he leads these these troops away, they're shooting at them and dropping grenades and trying to, I don't know if they're trying to cause an, cause an avalanche or not. They don't. They should. Uh, <laughs> they would have had a much better plan than trying to actually hit them. Yeah, because they, they can't. They get nowhere close to them. For shit either. Um, he gets down to what he thinks is the last one, and it sails off a cliff and then deploys another parachute, which he seems shocked about. Uh, and he gets the cool idea to, he's just going to ski off the cliff and cut through the parachute with his skis, which is kind of cool. Kind of cool. I mean, watch that shoulder, though. But then then there's a real weird, it's not even supposed to be, like, a funny bit. It's just an odd piece of, to me, editing, where, so the one that he thought he took out is still flying, and it's coming at them. And Electra has caught up to him now. And they're standing there. And right as another parahawk, luckily for them, smashes into the first one and they both explode, he's just calmly like taking his gloves off and look like Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. he's not pressed at all. Right. He's very as yes. if the battle is over, even though this other one is coming at him. Yeah, I guess I that one's always stuck out to me and just how he's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, just kind of stand there and just. But yeah, it's not I, even, it's not edited together as if it's like, look how fucking cool he is. He's just taking his gun. No, no, not at all. He knows they're going to smash together. It looks like that shot should be at the very end after they've both blown up and he knows they're safe. But it's not yeah. for that. And he's just like, it looks like it's from a, a different scene completely. And that, that caught my attention. 
So then where do we go? Then we're off to see. We get that avalanche where the, yeah, the jacket saves them. And... Yes. Now, thank God he had this on. All right. It finally happened. They fall in this, like, crevasse. But they're both safe inside this the big bubble boy suit. Um, she's freaking out, sort of claustrophobic. And, he, and it's like a sweet little moment. He, like, holds her face. He's like, you're all right. You're all right. Because, well, and we should mention that before going to this protection duty, M gave James Bond, and this is another reason I thought perhaps that until we find out, obviously, she's not, that M was her mother, she gives him a real stern talking to about, do not fuck this woman. I'm begging you. No, I'm ordering you, James. James? <laughs> give me James. Look me in the fucking eye, James. Do not sleep with this girl. Shadows stay in front or behind, never on top. That's right. That's what she says. That's right. And you know what? He he gives it a good effort. He lasts way longer holding out. Yeah. Trying to get with him immediately. And he rebuffs her a couple times before finally caving and not caring what him says because <laughs> you got to get it wet when you got to get it wet, I guess. But you go to see the Russian, uh, Robbie Coltrane, who was in... I guess Goldeneye. He's in, in Goldeneye. I had forgotten that. <clears throat> and so when he comes in and they're like, tell him James Bond is here, there's a real selective sort of, some places that he goes, he says James Bond, and everyone in the room goes, oh, oh fuck, oh, shit, James Bond. And some, but he can walk up to this oil pipeline site where Elektra's at and be like, I'm James Bond. I work with the universal exports universal exports and i'm not a spy don't worry about it and everybody's like hey cool you work for like no one knows who he is until he goes to certain i guess people right in the know immediately know who james bond is which makes him either a really good spy or a really bad spy. <laughs> <laughs> if they know you by name you're a bad spy like yes not gonna but he goes to see robbie coltrane whose character's name is uh valentine zakovsky yes and he's got my favorite line in the movie. One of the few jokes that for me lands is he's got a bodyguard named Bull who's got Bloody. Who's got the golden he's got like he's the man with the golden teeth. Like he's You're right. Bill. And he says to him, I see you put your money where your mouth is, which is a really good line. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's gone to see him why? Um, I don't know. I honestly could not tell you why he goes to see him. Something with the pipeline, probably. Yeah, because he runs the casino that they're staying at. And there's a scene where Electra kind of confidently comes in the room and is like, hey, I'll bet just on one card, we'll each draw a card and it's an absorbent amount of money. Um, it was like a million bucks or something. Yeah, I get, that whole scene makes absolutely no sense to me either. Well, and again, it's used later on as sort of a clue for James to figure out that the casino owner knows more than he's saying because it's like, why would you let this girl that you don't know come in and make a bet like that? There's some conversation like that. Yeah. But it okay. doesn't really, again, it's kind of these twists and turns that when you look back, it's like, well... Like, I don't know if yeah. I connect those dots quite as well as, as you do, James. But then he and 
Electra sleep together because he tried, but what can you do? And then where do we go? Um, or right before that, you finally have Bernard being introduced. Yes, at, at, uh, the, at the the devil's breath. Waiting for rodents of unusual size to come out. You're right. Um, I, uh, it must be like natural gas or something, supposedly. That's what they say. I think it just looks like a set to me, but yeah, picking up these boiling hot rock. Like, I understand you don't feel pain, but you can still burn the fuck out of your, like, you're still taking layers of skin off. Yeah. And even if you can't feel it, you're going to have blisters and nerve damage and this showing off now. Um, and there's some kind of some kind of crisscross with the he's got guys working for him who have disappointed him, and he kills the one you're not expecting and keeps the other one because they were supposed to. Well, they were supposed to kill James Bond and Electra, supposedly. Which, uh, knowing what we know about the plan and the players by the end of the movie now makes me really question this Parahawks plan because what if James and Electra had not split up? Then then they do take her out? Since we know that you are specifically not supposed to hurt her. Right. You dropping grenades, you still dropping grenades and firing bullets? (laughs) Right. This isn't very well thought out. Or at least in the, in the commission of the twist that we have, things don't add up quite it's not the sixth sense for sure so now jay why does james go it's christmas jones time it's christmas time it is so so he takes the place of the scientist that just got shot yes by renard um hops on the plane with the guys for some shoes yes (laughs) and then uh they go to Kazakhstan to the missile silos there. Where we meet Denise Richards, who is a lovely woman, and I'm sure she's a sweet person. We would probably be good friends. This is not a hot take at all. (laughs) Not act her way out of a wet fucking paper bag. Like, (laughs) and it's not. Sometimes you can blame the script, but everyone else is handling the script just fine. She speaks as if she's just discovered words. <laughs> and someone someone is reading them into an earpiece to her. It's insane how bad she is. Yeah, and this is honestly like probably one of the best acting jobs she does in a movie. As far as she's all right in wild things. things, she's all right in wild things. She's okay, but she's not being asked to play a nuclear physicist in wild things. No, and I think a lot of people complain, like, "Well, this is stupid because no nuclear physicist is that hot." That's not my problem. I'm sure there are nuclear physicists who are very hot. That's not my issue. The issue is she cannot act, cannot act. At least yeah, for the purposes needed for this movie. But we. Yeah, so James comes up to the to the work crew. She's a nuclear physicist who is there to dismantle leftover Russian 
warheads that are in silos to decommission them. When he first comes up to the group of the other guys, they're like, don't even try it with her. She wouldn't fuck any of us. She must be a, like, he doesn't say she must be a lesbian, but the idea is she has to be a lesbian. Right. She can sleep with any of us, so good luck. Which is, that's not okay. Secondly, she is dressed like Laura Croft to me. It's actually kind of an homage to, to Laura Croft. Is it supposed to be? It, it's supposed to be. It makes me think she actually would have made a really good Tomb Raider, actually. Like, I think better than Angelina Jolie. I like Angelina Jolie just fine. She's certainly a better actress than Denise Richards. But as far as looking, the like, when I saw her, I was like, holy shit. I almost yeah, she, she would definitely look the part, yeah. I wish this was a Tomb Raider movie now, because she looks like fucking Tomb Raider. Um, that I maybe would have had an appreciation for. I don't know. But, <clears throat> yeah, she's just not... It's not it's not good it's not, it's not she's she's less annoying to me i think than halle berry is as jinx even though we also know halle berry is a better actress than denise richards is but you also get a lot less of her because i think halle berry is so front and center in that movie to the point that she was going to get a spin-off if that movie hadn't tanked yeah there's so much of her in that movie and it's aggravating so this is to me, maybe less offensive. But I don't know, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not, we're not saying anything new. This is famously like... Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yes. oh yes. Famous how bad she is in this movie. And again, I've, I've never made a movie. Making movies is hard. God bless you if you can get it done. There has to be, for professionals... <laughs> A minimum bar that you have to get over. She's not cutting the mustard for sure. Um, so they go into the silo. He, she has no kind. She kind of has no time for his. I guess he's not really flirting, but she says, "I think what gets her is, and what sets him apart, other than looking like James Bond and not like a roughneck." what sets him apart from all these other guys that she won't sleep with because <laughs> I guess that's her job to sleep with people um, is she says yeah my name is Christmas Jones and don't make any Christmas jokes because I've heard them all or don't make any jokes because I've heard them all and he says I don't have any doctor jokes and she's like oh that's a good one and that's the moment when she decides I'm going to sleep with this guy <laughs> it didn't take much so they go in to silo renard is in there he's replaced some of the her regular crew or whatever um and they're looking to steal a nuclear warhead before she can decommission it yes yep yep and we get a, a big action set piece it's okay but again it's it's hindered by he's dragging her around and she's certainly saying words but like i mean we got our second usually get one bond james bond per movie we got our second one here because he already used it once with Electra, and now he's got to use it again on her but just yeah it, between the dialogue and her delivery 
where it's very like, oh, I'm here to, like, I work for the British government. It's like, oh, you are a spy? Like, it's, like, it's, uh, it's bad news. It's bad news. And it really hinders. But, um, yeah, what is it? They're trying to, they're getting the warhead down this tunnel. Yeah, the doors are closing, and so Bond's kind of chasing after him on that cart. Um, Renard slips into the elevator, which, for some unknown reason, has bulletproof glass on it. When he runs up to him and tries shooting him in the head, and the bullet just stops. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, as Renard's going up, he's got quite a... Uh, Dark Knight moment here where he's got the string wrapped around his finger on the bomb. Yeah, so it pulls out of the pulls it out and activates it when he when the elevator goes down. Yeah. That's the quick and fast get. So he's got five seconds then to get No no, it's less load. than that. It's less than that. By the, time so the, he... the, the timer says five seconds. I yeah. timed it. It is fifteen seconds between when that timer starts and the bomb actually goes off. Well, and even just at the moment that he actually turns around and grabs the thing that he's going to swing back through the thing, it's at under a second. It's like a point four three. <laughs> it's or like, like that. I think it was. Four seconds. Or and he travels two hundred feet from this tunnel. <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. And he's yelling at her to close this door so that. Kind of cool when he comes flying through and the door shuts that he's on fire. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any effect on it. Like he gets up and he's not on fire anymore. But when he lands, his jacket is on fire, and that was pretty cool. Picks Christmas. He's now he's stuck with her, I guess. Um, back to MI6. There's a lot of talking. This movie's maybe 15, 20 minutes longer than it should be. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of downtime between. I mean, I don't need explosive, but there's usually a better balance between the action set pieces and what's going on in the middle. Um, and there's a lot of talk about what's what's going, what's he going to do with his bomb? What is what's going on with the pipeline? What's happened with Electra at this point? So, let's see. After this, he goes back to her place in Baku and um, that's when he's he's kind of getting the gist of what's going on because Renard uses that same line that she has said earlier the um, what's the point in living if you can't feel alive like, yeah yeah let me yeah let me back up a second when he, he gets the drop on Renard before Renard escapes and um Bernard, at, at this point, you feel some sympathy for him later, but at this point, to me, seems like the most evil James Bond villain of all time because he's talking about, like, oh, you slept with Electra? Isn't it good that I broke her in for you? Like, mm-hmm. like I was raping her while I kid. Like, it's so gross. It's so, like, I don't need that. That's a heavy fucking spice to dump on this movie. Like, kidnapping, you know what I mean? Like, kidnapping, yeah. you don't need to get into all of that. Yeah, I understand it probably happened, but she gets into more detail about it later. But and he, once he gets the drop on James Bond, he 
is like pressing on his injured shoulder. Yeah, that's where he grabs his shoulder. And he says the same line that Electra is like sort of her catchphrase about, you know, is it worth living if you can't feel anything? So he's starting to connect dots and wondering if. There yeah, so he he goes back and accuses her of having Stockholm syndrome, and that you know he's he finally gets the plot right there, but she convinces him otherwise. Yeah, she has what seems like a pretty good exp- excuse and explanation for it all. Um, well, I guess he doesn't totally fall for it because then she gets that call that there's the trouble at the terminal and the. And uh, so they go there, and M shows up at the same time, and he's he's telling her too at the same time that he feels that she's in on it. Yeah. And we, the idea of the the Stockholm syndrome thing, is kind of a cool idea. You don't get it in these kind of movies a lot, um, especially when it gets. At the end, it gets flipped on its head when he sort of realized that Renard is sort of Stockholm syndrome. Yes. Electra. Right. Sort of very role reversal. That's kind of cool, but it's still a very, it's, I, I'm not coming to a PG-13 James Bond movie to hear a woman talk about how she gave her body to the guards to survive and like, like, uh, it's just, yeah. don't, that's a different movie, man. That's a different they didn't do shit like that in the Craig movies. Like that's it's it's much too much. Which again is a tone. Like you can't have that scene and then a minute and five minutes ago you were in a blow up suit and that like, <laughs> like you, can't be, you can't be cracking sex jokes five minutes before or after this disturbing conversation about sexual assault. Like it's not those need to be far away from each other. Yeah, in my mind. Anyway. Yeah. So, at this point, we have so we have Sophie Marceau, we have Jane Duty, Jane Duty Dench, <laughs> Dench, and Denise Richards in the same room together, and that mm-hmm. that's the epicenter of when you know this girl does not is in over her head and does not like a sort of two high caliber actresses sharing dialogue with Denise Richards and it's not going to go well for one of them. Right. You know, um, James and Christmas now have to go in the pipeline because Renard has set for reasons unknown has set the warhead up on in this sort of rig that's going through the pipeline and it's going to blow up when it gets to certain. So they have to leave get in the rig he has to take her with because she knows how to defuse it i'm fairly certain james bond has defused at some point in his illustrious career i'm sure at some point there yeah he's probably defused a nuclear bomb i can't imagine this not happened by this point and I mean, I guess she, these are specifically ones that she's used to, but it winds up not mattering because when they get in there, she can't fix it anyway. So he brought her for no reason. And they just let it explode. Well, they take the plutonium out. That's, and... well, half of it's already gone, she says. Right. 
it's another sort of mini action sequence where they're zooming through, they have to catch up and they're doing like 70, 80 miles an hour on this thing um, to catch up to the other rig where the bomb is so she can defuse it. The strips were screwed out of it, which doesn't seem to matter because they have it open like two seconds later. So I don't know. What yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It seems like it adds complications, which it then immediately ignores or gets rid of. Right, right. Yeah, it, adds, it has no problem with taking screws out there are stripped. It, yeah. yeah, it seems to not even be worth mentioning, but they mention it. <laughs> she, um, yeah, it's, she's not going to be able to get it, or she thinks she can get it in time, but he's like, no, forget it, let it blow up, it'll be fine, because we took the plutonium out. Um, we'll, just, we'll just jump off the back of these skis going 70 miles an hour down a steel tube well there's that <laughs> that's an issue because you're dead number two you have now traveled how many miles through this pipeline how do you get out now you have to walk back through this yeah pipeline. i suppose because they were doing 70 80 miles an hour for several minutes mm -hmm. that's a long walk through a dark pipe man unless you're going to wait till the explosion down there dies out and crawl through the exploded end i don't know it just doesn't seem very well thought out as far as the escape plan goes. Like many things in this movie. Yeah. While they're gone, correct, is when Electra turns her coat and reveals she's the mastermind behind this the whole time and kidnaps M. Yeah, she gives M the her dad's actual lapel that she had you find out there that she had switched it over for the yes. uh, one that blows up the money at the beginning. Yes. And uh, see, so yeah, they shoot the other MI6 agents, grab M, and take her back to Istanbul at this point. Yeah, here's where we find out that Surprise, surprise. Renard is sort of working for Electra, actually. He did kidnap Electra, but she convinced him, A, to let her go, and B, to work for her. Right. She's a real femme fatale. And the, the idea is that Robert King, her father, made all his money off of stuff that was her mother's. And off yeah. of her homeland and her sort of ancestors, and she's pissed about it, and pissed that her her father and M left her kidnapped to be bait so they could find Renault. You're right. Yep. Yep. That's why she's mad at M. That's why she's mad at MI six. That's why she was more than happy to blow her father up. And her plan is to, I believe, blow up the other pipeline so that she has the only one. Yes. Yeah, it's essentially make uh, uh, set off the bomb in Istanbul. Said uh, essentially that whole area would just be useless at that point, and her pipeline would be the only one that would be working in that in that area. Yeah, which is relatable content and ahead of its time. You're right. Mm -hmm. um, so James and Christmas go to see Robbie Coltrane again, and we see the return up, it was set up like Chekhov's gun early on in the film. This 
<laughs> helicopter with an insane contraption of buzz saws attached to it, which were being used seemed realistic when it's like, oh, they're flying, they're cutting down trees to make way for the pipe. Yeah. I don't know if such a thing as that actually exists or not. When I first saw it, I thought well, that, that could be a thing that they actually do. I don't know why. It seems like a bulldozer would be easier. But maybe that's a real thing. At this point, I've decided it it's not a, not a real thing because it's cutting through buildings and cutting the <laughs> So, yeah. So, James and Christmas and Robbie Coltrane are attacked by these two helicopters with these elaborate buzz saws hanging off of them which are cutting through the dock and cutting through the house cutting through what is it? it's a caviar factory that they're at yeah it's uh valentine's caviar factory okay <laughs> i mean i guess as a place to set a set piece i've never seen that before and i feel like it's only there so that they can have the scene where robbie coltrane has fallen in and is gonna <laughs> drown in which I didn't, because I didn't catch at first that it was a caviar factory, so I thought he was just in, like, some crude oil or something. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, this would have been thematically a better That would have made more sense. <laughs> and that helps, because I was very confused when there's something, he's big, he's like, get, let me out, let me out, and James isn't going to let him out until he tells him where Renard went or whatever this information is that he needs. And, um, he says, I don't remember what James says, but Christmas Jones says, you could use some chips for that. Like something like, oh, like, like uh, yeah, what Bond says, all we need now is some champagne. And I, I feel bad for her at this point. Like, yes, I, I'm, I'm stricken this one straight up to the writing of the movie. The, oh, it and, and some sour cream and sour cream. That's I'm like, oh, making like a chips and dip joke. But if it's oil, I guess it makes slightly more sense if it's caviar that he's in yeah do you put sour like cream the champagne i guess i've never had caviar so i don't know if it's good with sour cream no it's disgusting <laughs> um yeah i i felt bad for her having to say that line yeah it didn't help her but i'm sure there there's an actress out at sophie marcel could sophie marceau could have sold that one i promise you as shitty as that yeah was, but it doesn't even make, like, the caviar thing sort of makes sense. But I thought it was oil, so none of it made any sense. But now it makes slightly more sense, knowing that it's caviar. Um, but yeah, the, these helicopters are chasing him around. He gets to use the BMW, which, thank God, he brought. And we're seeing it for the first time, basically. Yep. Where did yep. it come from? I guess they drove there in it. But he has it just long enough to shoot a missile to take out one of the helicopters. And then it gets cut in half. Mm-hmm. The buzzsaws come and cut this beautiful BMW in half. Um, so that was a real... Yeah, the gadgets in this movie, between not being used at all, being used inappropriately, or being used and then being destroyed, it's just not up to par, I don't feel. Because usually you'll have, you know, you'll have your Aston Martin and it does all kinds of cool stuff and it gets a nice... But this, it shoots one missile and then it's like... yeah. Well, the guys usually don't last too long in Bond movies, but like this one is probably the shortest amount of time that he's got a car. Yeah, and it just feels shoehorned in like, oh shit, we forgot. (laughs) (laughs) The the three things you need. He has to stay Bond, James Bond, and martinis. He has to have the gadgets, and he has to have the car. And we forgot the fucking car. Where can we stick the car in quick? 
and so they added it that's what it feels like because it's so it, it, it really does it, it really does um yeah so they escape from that he goes back to confront electra again at which point renard has taken a submarine mm-hmm a Russian sub, and he's going to escape in that with some warheads and cause bad things. So James goes to confront Electra and just sh- straight shoots her. Like, has he ever... I believe once he maybe used a woman as a human shield, <laughs> one of the old movies, but he's never just straight up capped a woman like this, has he? Um... Like maybe the maybe the other Bond girl will take out a villainess or yeah. enter something, but he just straight shoots her in the chest. Well, he gives her a chance to tell him to stop, but she you know she tells him to dive, and he's done with her at that point. Yeah, he she's on the radio with Renard, and he's giving he gives her a chance to like call him back and tell him to stop, and she doesn't. She tells him to plus stop. she did just have a been a horrible torture chair too oh yeah i forgot the the (laughs) weird tiled torture sex chair she's in that he's getting choked by yeah forgot about that um but yeah that's the end of electric king a very a very good bond girl a pretty good villain um yeah he shoots her dead and then weirdly leans over her body as if he's going to make out <laughs> while well, M's standing there to watch yeah. yeah and M comes up the stairs and is looking at him like what the yeah, I think it's a little weird right there <laughs> like he doesn't kiss her but he's like he like touches her hair but like it looks like it's about to get real weird <laughs> restrains himself but it's just it's it's shot the way the shot is framed just looks so strange and it lingers on it and it's yeah creepy looking yeah you know which again the tone like it's the tone is all over the place you can't have the buzz saws and the guy drowning in caviar like jokes about cream cheese like sour cream and then a second later he's like stroking this dead woman that he just blasted like it's so all over the place um James does a sweet dive into the water, mm-hmm. catches up to the submarine, Indiana Jones style, gets on board the sub where Christmas is. Christmas is already inside the sub. So. Yeah, for some reason, um, you bring the one person that's been trained to defuse nuclear weapons, <laughs> you bring her on the sub with you. That what? Why did you not just just kill her? Just kill her. Yeah, I, mean, I don't wish her ill personally, but as a master, as a villain's master plan, why are you dragging this woman? Yeah, there's absolutely no reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so James infiltrates, tries to do some kind of sabotage to make them rise to the surface and fucks it up, mm-hmm. and Dub winds up vertical. Which is a pretty cool visual, pretty cool set piece, because now you have to climb up, like, beside an adventure. Well, I guess that was upside down, but 
But yeah. Like, like yeah. the Titanic before it broke in half. Like, yeah, there we go. Up through the submarine as it's tilted vertically. So it's a pretty cool set, a pretty cool thing to have in a movie. <clears throat> and they get, uh, so James catches up to Renard, who's trying to put these, what are they, whatever rods. Uh, well, they had the other half of the plutonium core, which apparently you just have a machine on the sub to put those into, and it comes out with a, with a plutonium rod to put into the core. I suppose. <laughs> I guess. Why not? Um, yeah, so yeah, he's going to shove that into the reactor and just detonate the sub right there. And... Was it... Well, is that his plan initially, or is that until... No, they were going to... Because once he finds out Electra's dead, that's when he's like, well, fuck this, I'm just going to blow us up. Yeah. I think they were supposed to take the sub to somewhere close to there, but not right there. But after it crashes into the seafloor, you really have yeah. one option. That's true. Yeah, at that point, <laughs> there's no going back. And he finds out him and James are, are fist fighting. It's a pretty mediocre fist fight. Like it's, yeah. It's not very kinetic. They're just kind of pushing each other into the the railings and stuff. Right. But Carlisle's really good. Carlisle really hits the feels and gets your sympathy here because you've now that you've known that he's been he wasn't the manipulator, he's being manipulated by her and he genuinely loves this woman who mm -hmm. only has sort of sent him down the river, but is also dead. Um and a look on his face, like, it's a good performance when he finds out, when James tells him that Electra is dead. And he's yelling at him, you're a liar, you know, liar, liar. And um, James has a good line of, she's waiting for you. Like, that's his parting line. And his parting line goes, that's pretty, it's not over the top. It's not like a Schwarzenegger one-liner, but it's, um, it's a whole folder all with James is trapped in a thing and then there's a hose and he hooks it, but it's, I mean, it's all, the gist of it is, is that um, James reverses the airflow on this thing and it shoots the rod back out into Renard's chest and that's how he dies. And it's, it's pretty good, pretty decent uh, action scene, I feel. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the fist fight between them is extremely lackluster. Yeah, like when Renard twists it over on Bond and he's kind of kicking him. It seems like he's just kind of stepping on his chest and then throws him into the cage. So. Yeah, it feels like this is too close quarters camera wise for us to put a stuntman in here so yeah take it easy on pierce he's 46 years old <laughs> like, we're not throwing him around because they're i mean especially movies of this era and earlier you'll see a lot of times where it's like well that's a stuntman like yeah this movie's really bad with that as far as like a shot between the skiing stuff and jumping and there's lots of times you're like well that is not pierce Brown. like 
Right. That's not remotely Pierce Brosnan. That is someone <laughs> half his age and four four inches shorter, and like it's pretty easy to spot the stuntman in this one. Yeah. So yeah, then they what is it? Oh, they shoot themselves out of the torpedo tubes, which yes. I'm guessing would destroy a human body. I don't know. <laughs> Did they shoot themselves out or just like use it as a... Uh, they may have just opened up the door. I I don't know. So and he is smart they, enough He is smart enough to say to her, make sure you breathe out all the way up so you don't get the... Yes, I, yeah, that's, that's a little detail that's like, good on you that you caught that. Right, right. Um, yeah, and that was it. They escaped from the sub, then we cut to... MI6 is like, where did they go? Did they get away? Looking for their heat signatures. And now... And here it is. Here it comes. (laughs) I promise you, I don't even need to do any research. I promise you that this character was not named Christmas Jones until they thought of this line first. Speaking of reverse engineering, they named this line and then said... Okay, now the character's name is Christmas. Right. The reason for this character to be named Christmas Jones, except for this line, and it's the final line of the movie, which is unacceptable. So James and Christmas Jones are, of course... Making that sweet, sweet love. Making that sweet, sweet boom, boom, like you do. Um, a lot of James Bond movies end with him in the arms of the new Bond girl, whatever. But he says, I thought there's, Christmas... There's two of them here. There's oh, two there's two? Them. Okay. Yeah. You, do, uh, you do the first one, I'll do the last Okay. The first one is uh, that he's always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey. Uh, yeah, there's that. And <laughs> that's not even that, but that's not too terrible. That's their That was not too terrible, so then we doubled down. But then, yeah, we cut to them. He's on top of her. And he says, I thought Christmas only comes once a year. But don't boom. And roll credits. <laughs> and I don't. Oh my God. I don't even. I don't want to hear the word come in a James Bond movie. Yeah. Like there's a line. You always have those puns and those double entendres, but this is so beyond the pale. And I'm not a prude by any means, but this is—am I wrong? This is no. It's it's absolutely it, terrible. It is god awful. <laughs> I mean, it's a bad line to start with, but just like I don't want to hear the word "come" come out of James Bond's mouth. That belongs in a Kevin Smith movie. And I'm happy to get it there. But, like, no dildo jokes, no cum jokes. I don't need it. I don't. Yeah. You can keep it. Yeah, kind of my... The, the feeling I have it, it, when these two guys were writing it was, like, all right, what should we do? One guy's like, hey, let's get Robbie Coltrane as villain. And they're like, that is brilliant. Robbie Coltrane is awesome. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, Robbie Coltrane. Um, 
All right, so where are we do with the story? Uh, let's do oil. Okay. And then somebody was just like, oh, I got the perfect last line for this movie. And everyone's like, shut the, shut the hell up, Timmy. And then they got to the end of the movie, like, well, how are we going to finish this? And Timmy's just sitting there in the corner, just smiling away. <laughs> it's Timmy's moment to shine. You're right. And, oh, it's so bad. Well, it's a Purvis and Wade joint who also wrote, I think they wrote all the, maybe this was their... They wrote a couple of Brosnans, and then also, weird. They've written every Bond since this one. Yeah, they worked, but there's also another writer. There's always another writer with, at least on the on the Daniel Craig's, there's, it's okay. Wade, and then another writer. So you have to wonder how much is, I think they're the same two guys who wrote this. And, and wrote Skyfall? Also wrote Skyfall is, it's not possible. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Or else someone took them out back and slapped them around and said, this is not do it anymore. It's like the 2010s, goddammit. <laughs> if you told me that these guys wrote Quantum of Solace, I would have been like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. See, I'm not going to hear any Quantum of Solace bash. I think Quantum of Solace is great. Especially if you watch it. If you watch it immediately, yeah, I can see where with the three years between or whatever... Because it's not really its own movie. It's kind of the second half of Casino Royale. But if you yes. Know, oh, yeah. It's fucking dope. And I, it's got the best car chase ever. Like, it's, I like Quantum Zones a lot. Certain, it's better than Spectre. Give me that. I'll give you that. And I didn't even hate Spectre. It's just... <sighs> it's the worst of the Craigs. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just fell a little flat for what we have to get in and then you get that or I suppose your follow up to uh, Skyfall well and yeah and I think Kono suffers from being the meat in the sandwich the bread of which is Casino Royale and Skyfall yeah yeah amazing so being you know anything less than those is going to feel a little but I think taken on its own merits I like Kono Salt a lot that's not why we're here. We were here to talk about the world is not enough, which I don't know. What's our verdict? It's not terrible. It's a decent watch. It's it's just right in the middle of all the bad movies. I'd say it's just it's just there. Um, there are worse Bond movies. There are worse. Oh, there are, are worse Bond. It has moments that shine. Robert Carlyle is great. Sophie Marcel is great. I think Brosnan's pretty great in this one. Some of the action set pieces feel pretty good. But the script needed a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Comedy needed all of the work. And Denise Richards got work done. (laughs) (laughs) I have no problem with that. That's fine. Um, After watching the... I was watching some deleted scenes here there night. And just listening to the director talk about the movie and what he had done and what he initially planned and where he decided to end up like I don't think he had a real clear vision of what he wanted to do here yeah and it kind of shows I guess I don't know for sure but I feel like a lot of the James Bond movies including the Daniel Craig ones are we need one of these every two years whether we know what we're doing or not you know I feel like a lot of times there's lots of reshoots lots of last minute rewrites lots Mm -hmm. of 
feel like it's a very fluid situation when you're making a James Bond movie. You don't necessarily come into it with a set. I mean, Casino Royale being the first one, probably they probably had more lead time to run up to it. Right. Things in stone. But I think other than the, any any of the other ones where there's only, we have to do this every two years, go, go, go. Just yeah, especially during the, pro, during the Pierce Brosnan years, it's, that's was every two years. Yeah. But I like Brosnan. I'm glad we got Brosnan. It's weird that we didn't have, because Brosnan was supposed to be way sooner. Brosnan was supposed to be James Bond when Timothy Dalton was James Bond. Yes. Yep. In contract, making Remington Steel on TV. <laughs> brought Dalton yep. in instead. Luckily, he was still around once Dalton left. Or did Dalton get let go because he was free? I don't know, but um, yeah, he's just, in my mind's eye, he's that, He's just the perfect James Bond. Visually. Yeah, anyway. And if I remember right, um, there was an interview where um, Desmond Lulin I think it was Pierce Brosnan who stated because he, he had read a, read a bunch of Ian Fleming's books, and um, I th- think he said that Pierce Brosnan, in his mind, most closely resembles James Bond in the books. In the books, isn't he a bit more of an asshole, though? I haven't. Have you read any of the books? I haven't. I haven't read any of the books. Um, it's my understanding is, in the books, he's a lot more of like a straight-up sociopathic, like... Dude, almost, yeah. yeah. Essentially, like, uh, in the books especially, like, women are just objects to him. Well, that's... That's it. Ian Fleming is a, a character. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, just more of an ass all around. Um, but just kind of the way that he... <sighs> Like his smoothness? Yeah, his He's smoothness. The, smoothness. So the way that, that he just portrays him, Bond in the movies, I think, is much more like in the books. Yeah, I, I don't know that, to me, he's the one that I most find believable, like, running through a piece of drywall. Like, physically, Craig is the one where I'm like, yeah, that guy will fuck you. Right. Not Pierce Brosnan, but Pierce Brosnan has this smooth, like... I feel like that's a guy who could walk into any room and just take it over just because yeah. so charming and so what you want James Bond to be. So it's too bad he didn't get some better movies. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose they all... Craig's been lucky so far. Roger Moore certainly had bad ones. Sean Connery had probably some bad ones too. He's got his... Uh, I was going to say Moonraker, but that's... That's Roger Moore. Thunderball. Yeah. Uh, Boy, you want to take a nap. <laughs> Thunderball. Holy shit, that movie is boring. And here's what we'll do. Yeah. We'll film this whole thing underwater where everything moves at a snail's pace. That exciting. Fuck that movie. Um, anyway, that's it for me. Any clothing, clothing thoughts? Closing thoughts. Um, pretty good right there no I think I'm good on that alright well thank you sir it was nice to have you on yeah area of expertise so to speak um, <laughs> where can people find you if you wish to be found oh uh, I'm on 
Twitter. Well, you don't you don't Twitter a whole lot. I do not Twitter a whole lot. I, I need to even look up what my name is here. Uh, it's Ryan Murphy at, MN. At Murphy MN. At Murphy MN. Uh, Instagram or anything like that? Instagram, I am uh, Murphman07. Murphman07. There you go. That's, That's where I'm at. He He's probably a fun follow. Yeah, I don't think you tweet much. I don't have Instagram, so I don't know what you're doing over there, but he's a cool dude. Just mostly on the Facebook I'm on. Oh, I'm an old school like that. Yeah, I I haven't touched Facebook and like my account is still there because there's like pictures and stuff that's like that's cool that it's out there, but I haven't logged into Facebook in four years at least. Okay. Like I'm I'm out of it. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe I should start a Facebook account for the podcast. I don't know. I'm trying to get the word out. Speaking of getting the word out. Oh, that might be an idea. If you like the show, listeners, can't hurt to rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. You always hear YouTubers say. I always forget to say it. This time I remember. Um, we actually got one five-star review I looked the other day. So thank you to whoever that was. One of the Every week we have like 20 to 30 people listen to the show, and I don't know any of them, so that's okay. cool. Hopefully that goes up. If it doesn't, it's fine. I'm still having fun. It's time to press the magic button and see what our movie will be for next week, or my movie for next week. Ryan won't be here, probably, unless it's James Bond again. <laughs> what are the chances? Next week's movie is... My stepdaughter, that's the name of the movie, not my guest. She was my, my stepdaughter was my guest last week. Next week's movie is called My Stepdaughter. It is on Tubi. And oh, I guess it's also on Amazon Prime. Looks to be, um, like an emo lifetime movie. Emo girls are scary is what it looks like to me. Girl's got a scary hood on. Maybe she's a witch. I don't know. I guess I'll find out. So, that's the movie for next week. My Stepdaughter on Prime and Tubi. That's your homework, should you choose to accept it. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll hope we'll see you again next week. Good night, everyone.